When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Established 2019, direct from the North Wales coast, his verbal skills definitely outweigh his wrestling ability. It's time for British Wrestling Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. Well, welcome to episode 22 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Today's guest has done a lot in the business of wrestling in the UK. His name is Johnny Brannigan. He's the owner of Grand Pro Wrestling. Johnny's trained people. He's wrestled himself and obviously promotes shows. It was a pleasure to get Johnny on. We talk about the Wild West days of the business 20 years ago when he got his start. And we've covered a lot of topics in this one. So let's get right to it. Episode 22 with Grand Pro Wrestling, GPW's Johnny Brannigan. Enjoy. A warm welcome to my guest this afternoon, at this time, I have the founder of Grand Pro Wrestling, a.k.a. GPW, Johnny Brannigan. How's it going, Johnny? Currently, mate, I am living the lockdown dream as the world goes crazy. Um, I'll have to just correct you on that introduction, though. I'm not the founder of, uh, of GPW. Someone else did that. Uh, I've just run it for the majority of the time it's been around. That's all. Right, okay. I assumed I assumed you were the founder. That's fine. First question, I always ask this. Pretty much nine times out of ten when I have a guest on. When did you begin watching wrestling, Johnny? Uh, I can't remember ever watching anything else on television. So probably my earliest memory of tuning into the television um, was watching wrestling, watching the uh, WWF. Um, I, I honestly couldn't tell you anything else that I watched before that. So probably, what, five, four, five, something like that. What, what year was that? Uh, I was born in 1982. So that would be, be about 1986, 1987. So peak era of all the uh, all the golden golden boys like Macho Man, Ultra Warrior, Hulk Hogan, all favourites at the time. A little bit, little bit earlier than me, that as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool to hear that you were watching. Um, it was like when it when it exploded when you were watching it. Yeah, class, absolutely class. I did remember watching some 
my parents took take me to watch some old British stuff with um, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks and stuff. I do remember going to some local show when I was really young there as well. Um, but it, it wasn't that what wasn't what captivated me. It was the characters, the colour, and uh, and everything from from the Americans really. Which wrestlers did you gravitate to? Obviously, you've listed a few that you watched there in the late '80s, but yeah, just if you could, uh, you know, tell tell the listeners who who you gravitated to, who who floated your boat, character wise, the way they wrestled, what you know, what they were wearing, maybe you know, just a general about who you loved watching as a kid. Probably no surprise to anyone else that grew up watching in that that era. It was the same sort of headline guys. Um, it was Hogan, uh, Warrior, Savage. Bret Hart, and then a bit later on, absolutely loved Razor Ramon. Um, and then coming on to a bit more modern day, um, huge fan of uh, Triple H, always have loved Triple H. And Shawn Michaels, obviously, probably my favourite wrestler, Shawn Michaels, closely followed by Triple H, and closely followed by Ric Flair. So yeah, gives you a bit of an idea. Uh, probably no one that's too surprising there. Uh, if you know, if anyone has been a fan of wrestling during that period of time, probably just the the main guys and uh, the Rock and Stone Cold are obviously in there. But th- those lot are my favourites, really. Any match types that you loved, and uh, I'll I'll ask about events after that. But yeah, any match types which you gravitated to as well. Um, I, I liked any any storyline that had a personal issue that you could sort of follow the storyline going on. Um, so any, anything that ended up with you know, like a, a gimmick match really so, but I absolutely loved um, like casket matches I've always been a, a fan when I was younger of, of casket matches because I've always thought they were real um, cage matches the big blue cage fan of that um, but a- anything really with a personal issue or a storyline I've always and still remain a fan of to this day which, which events then Johnny stuck out for you as a kid growing up WrestleMania, Summer Slams. Um, used to watch them all. Used to either uh, go around to a friend's house or, or or get them get them on the pay per view at home. Um, I always used to absolutely love the Survivor Series event because I used to get these random people all teaming up. Uh, I was really a big fan of of seeing who was going to be the last person to survive. King of the Ring used to love them as well because um, always, even when I was younger, I realised it was it was used to elevate sort of young younger people and people that weren't perhaps in the main event at the time um, and I love seeing people come through the roster but yeah all the, all the big ones really but um, I, there's not one particular one that, that stands out um, I've only ever attended one Wrestlemania that was Wrestlemania 20 so I suppose if I was going to pick one I'd pick that one that was, that was in New York um, it, was, it was there when I was like in my early 20s had a really good time with a, with a friend of mine and, uh, and that was Bit, uh, it was probably remembered for all the wrong reasons with uh, Stone Cold and uh, Stone Cold referee and the Brock Lesnar and Goldberg match, um, and then you had the the triple threat with Benoit winning the title at the end. So uh, that I'd probably say if we're going to say one event, maybe WrestleMania 20. Cool man, that, that cool. Yeah, it was very very good. It's very very good. Great event. Um, just a shame, obviously, no no Benoit, no Eddie now, but you know it was synonymous. Yeah. Synonymous for them too, wasn't it? And then, like you say, on the bad side, it was well known for Goldberg and Goldberg and Lesnar and uh, Austin being the best thing about the match. Atmosphere. What a weird <laughs> atmosphere! Yeah, it was, uh, it, was re- it was really strange. I remember going into that event, and um, we'd spent ages making signs for it for Christian. Uh, we were big 
me and my friend were big fans of Christian, uh, so we'd uh, we were rooting for him uh, on that on that event, but we weren't weren't that interested, and I still haven't I've never been interested, and I'm still not interested now in anything that Goldberg does. Um, so <laughs> I've kind of zoned out as most of the crowd done for, for his match. Cool, cool that you got to a WrestleMania as well, Johnny. Yeah, got to do it once. I think I did it before. Um, like all the commercialised Hall of Fame stuff. So we didn't get to go to the Hall of Fame, and I'm glad we didn't because, uh, in my opinion, it, it, the Hall of Fame has been a bit bastardised um, with the, the letting the fans in and stuff like that and the chanting. I think it should be behind closed doors event. So we went the, the year before they started selling tickets to that, um, and it was in, in Madison Square Garden, so a bit of an iconic venue. Yeah, it, it was it was a good event. I, I wouldn't do it again, <laughs> but it was good when I did it. That's cool, man. It's quite been. I've been numerous times myself. Done. I but I, I take your point. You know, it's it's a valid point. I've, I've obviously been to the Hall of Fames and that. I, I do, I do get. I take your point. Even though I enjoyed going to them personally, yeah, I'm I'm with you on the heckling and the stuff that goes yeah. on. I it's a good good point of view that mate. I've hated it for the longest time since they started. Um, since the wrestling fans started getting involved, I can understand why people want to go and why people want to be there, but. Give the give the guys the moment in the, uh, in, the, in, the in the sun, you know. Just don't, don't get on the backs and start hacking for it. It ruins it. Right, Johnny. I'm going to segue now into how like the origins of your career. Uh, so, when did your wrestling career begin? Uh, you know, your, your training, basically, your start in the business, personally. Uh, a long time ago now, bloody hell, twenty years ago, um, I started training. It was um, well, internet was in its infancy. Um, and I was uh, at uni at the time. I just finished school, and uh, I was at uni, and I had a part-time job uh, working. At, I'm from Blackpool, and I was working at the Pleasure Beach. If, uh, if listeners know where that is, um, and uh, in part of Pleasure Beach, they had a, a interactive haunted horror house, which was uh, called the Passage del Terror. I think they're a chain across the world, and I used to uh, spend my part-time. I was dressing up as an array of different monsters and ghouls, uh, staring the scaring the living shit out of, uh, of the general public. And um, I used to before I've ever started even wrestling training. They used to uh, be picked to speak to the uh, audience to get them uh, wound up and um, scared of what the what they might encounter in this hallway. So I used to, unbeknownst to me, practice my promos there at the time um, on on people. And I'd always wanted to get involved in wrestling, but I just didn't really know anywhere to get into it. And then, lo and behold, there was another lad there who um, who used to wrestle, uh, and, I, and I use the term loosely, um, in, in the room above, in the Paradise Rooms, where they still hold some wrestling events there now. And um, he used to do the tribute wrestling stuff. Um, so um, he used to wrestle, used to come down from the room upstairs, down to the passage, and tell people that he just finished wrestling mankind, and uh, obviously those those were wise to realise that you know mankind wasn't going to spend his Tuesday afternoon in, in Blackpool wrestling uh, this lad that works at the passage. Um, but he was quite hard to talk to, and eventually I, I got I managed to get to speak to him, and, and he heard me cutting these promos, and he said, you know what, I'll give you a, a name of a guy who, who does some training, and uh, and off I went, I went and started training. Um, Soon after that, um, there was there was just me in the class, um, and um, being trained by this this guy I had a bit of an amateur background, but uh, he taught the basics really well. But after that, you know, at the time I thought it was great, but you know, looking back on it, it was probably dreadful. <laughs> um, used to train in a kickboxing ring that 
was in a gym that used to get broken into on a regular basis. So this first part of the session was sweeping broken class out of the ring and hoping that got it all out before you started taking flat back bumps. Um, and I was training for about three months or so before I got a call to go on my first show. So I wasn't, I wasn't training very long, but it wasn't the most professional environment at all. That was going to be my next question, your first match. So yeah, if you can just maybe give a little bit about the first match, your memories of it. Yeah, I've got a really vivid memory about the first match and it's a hilarious story um, and it's quite unbelievable. So I'll strap myself in for this one, right? Whilst I was training, I used to get told by the trainer that um, more often than not, his students would debut for a guy called Robbie Michaels. Um, and Robbie Michaels was actually a really good wrestler. Um, he was, was short in stature, but he, he had long black hair. He wore like cool black leather pants and could move. I remember thinking when I, when I saw video footage, like proper VHS footage, I thought, oh, this guy looked cool. The guy wasn't cool. The guy's actually dead now. Robbie Michaels is dead, so I don't want to be too ill of the dead, but um, I will do probably in this story. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know when, I didn't get told when I was going to debut. I didn't get told. Um, you know, a date or I didn't get told I was training towards a certain <clears throat> a certain period of time. I got a call when I was at uni and um, it, it was my trainer, Darren, and he said, um, Johnny, can you, can you get to Runcorn for this evening? And I, I didn't drive at the time. And uh, I was like, um, yeah, I can. Why? And he says, well, you, you're going to date you for Robbie tonight. I was like, oh, great, right. Well, I'm in press at the moment. I need to go back home, get my kit, get myself to run home. Uh, what time do I need to be there? So if you get there for no later than six, the show starts at seven. Right, okay, this is the Thursday night. So I know modern day 2020, you'll see a lot of shows happening on Tuesday nights, Thursday nights. This is going back to September 2000. There was no shows on a Thursday night. There was, there was barely any weekend shows. The scene was very, very, very quiet. Uh, but I didn't think anything of it. Um, I managed to get myself to Runcorn for later that evening. Got there before the time he said, and there was already a massive queue outside this venue. I can't remember what the venue was. Uh, there was a huge queue of people waiting to get in. And uh, I got there and all the wrestlers were backstage. Uh, one of the wrestlers that's still around today, Blondie Barrett, uh, who teams with Keith Mayer. Uh, he was on the show and he seemed to be sort of in cahoots with, with Robbie Michael. seemed to know him pretty well. Uh, and no one was very friendly to me whilst I was backstage. And no one came over and spoke to me. Um, and I didn't really know what I was doing or who I was wrestling or if this was supposed to be, you know, how things were done. I really hadn't a clue. Until Darren appeared and he told me that I was wrestling Doink the Clown that night. And I said, Doink the Clown from WWF? And he went, yeah, of course. So... I went away and I rang my mum and I said, you never guess what, I'm, I'm in Runcorn, I'm about to debut wrestling, I'm wrestling Doink off the telly, you know, the guy that used to fight Bret Hart. And I was like, oh, you know, that's great. And um, I didn't really think too much of it. I thought, well, you know, Doink's probably not around doing much at the moment, so they probably managed to bring him over. And I couldn't find Doink backstage at all. He wasn't there. I was thinking, you know, any minute he'll, he'll walk through the door and time tick by and it never arrived. And then this huge, fat mess of a chap came over to me and introduced himself as Dwayne The Rock Johnson. In The Rock's little briefs, I thought, oh no, where the hell am I? I'm at a tribute show. I had no idea I was at a tribute show. I was going to debut 
on a tribute show. Now, I'd, I'd planned my character that I wanted to do for probably three or four years prior to even starting the wrestling training. So the last thing I wanted to do was to go out there and portray someone else's character. But the ring announcer came over to me, and because I wore a leather jacket to the ring, he said, you look like Raven, you could be Raven tonight. I went, no way, no way, no way am I being a Raven. But the rest of the name is Heresy. And he said, Hershey. I went, no, no, it's Heresy. I've never, I've never heard of that name before. I was like, no, you, you won't you won't have done, because it's my debut tonight. He said, no, well, you could be Raven, because no one will know you. I was like, no, mate, no. And I was getting in the right panic, and I was like, no way. And the, the show was supposed to start at 7, and it was now 8 o'clock, and there was about 400 people on a Thursday night in the year 2000 who come to watch this tribute show, which is a hell of a lot of people. And they still haven't been let in. So they let, they let the crowd in about two hours after doors had opened, about nine o'clock. And then um, I was on, second to last. Now, there was something going on backstage. I didn't know what was going on. There was something going on backstage. People were running around, counting money and, uh, and, and stressing about what I could see. And the two lads that brought the ring had been brought in from, I believe, I think it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was All-Star. I think Brian had sent them. And Robbie, the promoter, had said, well, the lads that are bringing the ring, why don't you do the main event? Oh, the lads said, oh, it's great, you know, brilliant. Oh, thanks very much. We'll do the main event. Uh, which characters from the WF do you want us to play? No, you can just be yourselves. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, cheers, Robbie. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. So I'm like, oh, my God. I was... I thought I got the ring announcer back on side to announce me as, as Raven and um, to announce me as Heresy, sorry. And I'm waiting backstage and um, my music hits, which was a relief. And then I hear the ring announcer say, from the Bowery. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Um, so I still, I've still not seen my opponent at this point, which turned out to be Blondie Barrett, who'd come back from wrestling the 20 Stone Rock out of shape rock to get changed into Doink's gear <laughs> was putting Doink's main makeup on as I was making my way to the ring and now I've got to wrestle this old guy who'd already wrestled once who's now dressing up as Doink and I'm thinking I- I've got to take the finish um, as I was told to go to the ring I was, t- I was told to take the finish as a custard pie to the face and I'm like this is not how I wanted my debut to go so getting there did the business with, with Blondie Barrett was doink. It was was all right actually. It was all right. I did all the Raven stuff, which is really really embarrassing. Uh, well, I did the Raven taunt at least, um, so people could sort of um, make the connection. And I get backstage, and this is this is where things go really 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 weird. So I get backstage, and um, everyone's panicking, and Blondie Barrett's going, "Do it now, Robbie! Do it now!" And uh, the two lads that have brought the ring. Had, uh, had made their entrances and they were wrestling in, in the main event. We were all backstage. And he said, should we do it? Should we do it? He said, do it now. So they said, come on, Johnny, let's go. And everyone, the whole entire roster, which I say the entire roster, there wasn't that many. It was probably about 12 people. Piled out the fire exit, got into a Nissan Micra and head, headed down the road, leaving the two lads that had brought the ring to fight their main event. Basically, the promoter was getting out of paying them. Oh my days! What a baptism of fire that was! I, 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 you know, it's only since you know doing other shows that you realise that was the wild west. Yeah, yeah. But that that happened. It was it was the, the whole thing was so weird. From getting the call on a random Thursday when I was just heading into electric uni, 
to um, scramble my way to get there to find out I was wrestling Doink. It wasn't Doink, it was bloody Barrett. It <laughs> two minutes before. Yeah. It was just it was weird, just weird. But yeah, so I, needless to say, I can remember that day very, very well. So how hell the memory you've got there as well, everything that you went into about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's, it was such a weird, weird thing to have happened and it, I, I, it's something I, I enjoy telling, so yeah, I hope uh, the listeners stayed with me on that and enjoyed it. Where did you progress to from there, from that first time then? So from there, I uh, wrestled for a local company called Northwest um, Professional Alliance and, and PWA. Uh, which were a really small rinky-dink outfit that used to do a lot of shows in working men's clubs. Um, there was a couple of other shows that I did as well uh, for, for people and thankfully never wrestled as Raven again, although there was similar comparisons drawn to me uh, and Raven throughout most of my early career, which was a pretty annoying, but um, <laughs> it happened. And um, so, used to, yeah, mainly around the northwest, and then um, broke out doing some stuff for a company down in, uh, in Newcastle, Wrestles on wrestling, WCW, um, and uh, yeah, so it went on from there. But it was all it was all very different back in those days. It was not very professional. My experience with the NPWA was quite infamous because I was um, I was booked in a main event match in a ladder match, uh, which was advertised heavily. Which there was a feud that we were building up heavily, and um, this just gives you an idea of the guy that run the promotion. Um, I think he was quite jealous of me, which sounds arrogant, but you'd, you'd have to have been there to, to really appreciate what I'm saying. Um, I was getting, I, I was good, I was really good, um, the best, the best on the roster, and um, and I think the promoter who was also wrestling was a bit was a bit jealous of it, and I, I had better ideas about everything, and uh, and I think he screwed me over on purpose because he got to our match, the ladder match, the main event that we promoted, we planned. And, um, and he told me that he'd forgotten the ladder uh, just as we were about to go out and make our entrance. So I refused to go out and make my entrance and stormed out, uh, which was quite hot. I was quite hot-headed when I was younger. Um, but um, I stormed out and never wrestled there again. But that's to give you an idea of like, the kind yeah. of professionalism that was around in wrestling then. It was, it was really bad. So where it is now, Johnny, obviously I'm from a fan perspective, but obviously you see how, how things are run, especially in the UK. Surely that doesn't happen now, what you're saying about happened many years ago. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> um, I, I, re- I really hope not, because there's one group of people that suffer when things like that happen, and that's the fans, and that's that's not fair. Johnny, I got it wrong earlier when I said you were the founder of GPW, Grand Pro Wrestling, but how did you get involved with GPW? Uh, GPW, so um, so we go back to the MPWA. Yeah. MPW, I left MPWA after this ladder match debacle. And um, there was a wrestler who's, who's also died um, called Lee Middleman Butler, who we're all pretty aware of because he was from a local area near me, and um, and he was quite a big guy, could move for his could move for his size, uh, and had seemingly been around wrestling for for quite a while, um, and uh, he got wind of MPWA, and I think a few wrestlers that approached him to help uh, be coached at the MPWA school. He got involved with MPWA, realised it was terrible, and um, decided to create a p- promotion of his own and steal a lot of the MPWA talent because there was quite a lot of talent there. Joey Hayes was there, Damon Lee was there at the time, um, so there was quite a lot of fledgling talent that were there. And Lee did have good, a good idea of a bit more than just the basics that were being taught at MPWA in 
did help bring a lot of those lads on, especially me. And um, so that's what happened. Um, I stayed in touch with Lee because uh, I knew him, and um, and he invited me over to GPW when he got things up and running, which was early 2003. Um, so I've been wrestling elsewhere. I started in 2000. I wrestled for probably about two years um, around the northwest, and then I branched out. Um, going a bit further afield and I've stayed busy for about a year and then Lee started GPW and obviously I was in touch with him so I came back straight away and then it started off as a, as a training school really, really, really ahead of its time um, when it kicked off um, but Lee had a lot of faults um, I, won't, I won't go into them too much here but because um, Lee was very helpful to a lot of people but also made a lot of enemies but he's not with us anymore um, and I think he helped more people that are still around now than he did than he hurt um, but Lee, Lee couldn't cope with running the business and uh, just disappeared one day just vanished um, he went, vanished into thin air um, I know he went over and spent a bit of time training at Irish Whip um, and I think Seamus might have been in his class at the time he was good Lee, Lee, had, Lee was a good coach um, but he never returned to GPW so eventually after being passed through a few hands I said let me have it and I'll I'll take over. So I took over from 2005, uh, almost almost to the day that we're speaking today, um, 15 years ago, and I've been in charge of it ever since. So Lee founded it, but I've been in charge of it for 15 years and it's the, the company's been around 17 years, so I, I might as well have founded it, I suppose. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it in that I called you the founder at the start as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just... It does. Do you know what? I'll, I'll make mistakes as I'm going along. So yeah, man. But uh, fair play, fair play, mate. The length of time you, you've been doing it that's testament. You know, I know. Obviously, it was a lot harder back then as well for you. Yeah, so, yeah. There was. There have been. Um, there have been some really tough shows, some really tough months, some really tough years. Um, it's so. It was so different back in the day. Um, and uh, it, it's you know not that today's any easier. It comes with its own challenges and different stuff. But um, I think some I, I just I just love it. I just really really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm quite stubborn with, uh, with with wrestling when it comes to it. So it keeps me going. I, I don't want to you know I was determined never to just be a flash in the pan with running the promotion. I think I've proven that after all this time. When did you begin as Booker? Um, well, that depends who you ask that question because if you ask if you ask me, I'd say 2005. But I think a lot of people would say that I was trying to book the territory along long before that, and that's probably why um, the guy at MPBA forgot that ladder because I was telling him how to uh, how to book his how to book his promotion back in the day. I've always had my own ideas uh, for stuff, and um, I've always been fairly vocal about them. So. Um, it's probably just easier that I ended up running my own promotion anyway, because then I could just run my own ideas as they were. So, but the GPW stuff has I've been booking that since two thousand and five. Cool, long time, man. Long time. Yeah, and I, I don't think in that time I, I try really hard not to repeat any storylines or you know try not to present a similar storyline. Um, even though I know there's only a handful of fans that are actually stayed with us for that amount of time, but. Just for my own sanity, I try to keep things fresh. I don't obviously don't want you to give the game away, but my next question is: uh, Which styles and techniques do you apply uh, to the booking of shows? Uh, your ethos with booking, if you will. So it's quite 
always got to try and keep the the, the goal in mind. And the goal um, with with my show is, is characters, storylines, and what result in matches that matter and that people want to see. So we, we get too far away from what wrestling is. Wrestling is a personal issue between two people or more, if it's a tag team or whatever. And then they have to settle that. They have to settle those differences inside a mat, inside a squared circle, and and how those issues then evolve into other things. My my ethos has always been characters, stories, and matches that matter. Um, but that, that's how I approach everything, really. Which wrestlers have passed through GPW uh, in terms, you know, oh. maybe established guys? Uh, you know, I mean, like maybe not just UK based, but like world world talents. We've had a, we've had a lot, um, so we it's not something that we do so much anymore. I, I don't suppose we've had a lot actually. I'll retract that statement because we, for the time we've been running, we've only had a handful, and that's because I like to keep things domestic really. Um, but some current people people will know Cesaro, um, Chris Hero, Cassius Ono. Um, we had uh, Jack Gallagher's wrestled for us for ages um, before he we went over. To the states, um, T.J. Wilson uh, wrestled for us. Um, some of these appearances were just one-off ones, but they were at the start of the career um, when no one knew who T.J. Wilson was or Cesaro was. Um, so yeah, but we don't. There's probably not too many like main event stars that you'd, you'd know because, like I say, we like to keep things domestic really, and I will bring in international talent it's not that I won't do I will do but it has to be under the right circumstances what makes you most proud of GPW I think the the tenure uh, I'm really proud of the tenure because like I say in those 15 years it hasn't it hasn't been easy it's still not easy now we've got all this coronavirus stuff going on it's playing absolutely havoc with my booking sheet and um, I think the tenure is you, know, you have to be quite tenacious to, to put up with the, some of the stuff that goes on um, and uh, the end product, um, the, end, the end product is class. Uh, what we what we what we put in the ring in front of the audience is, is really really good. It's it's underrated. I don't mind it being underrated really, um, but it is underrated. And uh, and, the, and the stars that we produced as a, as a result of that, I think I think you'll you'll find that you if you ask most of the guys that have been involved, if not all of the guys that have been involved in storylines with us, that they they have progressed their own characters and their own careers through GPW. Um, you know, I, I just had a message off Zach Gibson just about two days ago saying, you know, I'm in Florida now and uh, I would not be here if it wasn't for what I did at GPW. And it was just super nice of him to, to, to say, but he's right. And you know, that's the same thing goes for a lot of other people. And we like to think that we challenge people to come outside their comfort zone a little bit and, try something on a little bit different that they might not have done before. So yeah, um, all of that. I'm really proud of all of that. Uh, what advice would you give to upstart companies? Obviously at the moment, with the way things are, people aren't going to be able to do shows, are they? But obviously going no. forward, when it all calms down, we're back to the norm. Yeah, advice to upstart companies, just because you see as a fan, not just as an owner and a you know doing it as a business, there's a lot that have folded what what your what's yeah. your what's your advice, Johnny? To getting it. Thinking of starting a promotion up in the northwest, don't. Right. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 the scene is. I've never known any more promotions in one area as it is 
it's uh, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and I, I know a lot of people and it, and won't have the same opinion as me. And they're like, oh, the more the merrier and all that. No, no, not the more the fucking merrier. This is you know, it's everyone's livelihood and business, and you don't see a McDonald's in every corner. And there's a, there's a there's a reason for that. Um, so yes, my first advice is don't start in the northwest. It's already really overcrowded. Yeah. Uh, second thing would be to, to, to do what I said and, um, and to, to make to remember what wrestling is about. It's about two people having a personal issue, and, and, and to make wins matter, to make losses matter, and to make matches have consequences. Think about things logically. Um, I, I would hate I hate promotions that set up and then just disappear. Um, as well, I, 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 it really grinds my gears. Um, I'd, I'd rather see a well thought out business plan of how they're going to make it work, um, how they're going to um, tell the stories, in which roster, that, what part of the roster they're going to bring in. There's a lot of guys, especially in the northwest, um, that are the same people on the same shows. It's just the same rosters everywhere else. So have a good long think about who you want on your, your shows. And, and how you're going to bring them in and how you're going to progress those people through storylines that people care about. That It's just, it's so heavily saturated, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I, I know it's not like that in some of the other areas in the UK because I've spoken to, to guys that live there and stuff. And, uh, they're like, how many promotions? I was like, I know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's it's just taking food off other people's plate. Um, and it doesn't, doesn't help at all that... You know that people aren't changing the rosters up. The rosters are just the same. It's the same guys. There's a couple of ones out there that that, uh, that try. Um, but I think GPW are quite lucky because we've got a good few people that wrestle just exclusively for us and um, just our guys, uh, which which helps um, really. So, but yeah, it, it, the scene is oversaturated, in my opinion. Just going on to current product, like obviously WWE, AEW. Do you get do you get time to watch? the product or because you're so heavily invested in it in your company the question is do you get a chance to watch stuff on, on TV uh, I tape it all um, I've got the network and I, I, I watch that uh, quite a lot I, I tend to sort of gravitate to the older stuff the 80s stuff uh, more than anything um, or I like quite a lot watching documentaries I do have um, AEW that I watch um, every now and again but only when I've got the time because I've got quite busy um, personal life away from wrestling um, and um, I like, well, I've, I've not really got all the way through it yet but I have enjoyed what I've seen of NWA Power um, I thought that's that's really old school feel to it that I like um, so that, that's I do watch WWE I watch Wrestlemania whenever that, whenever that comes out I watch that um, and um, I watch some of the big events but I don't watch Raw or Smackdown I, if I'm going to watch any sort of episodic TV it'll be Power or, uh, or AEW yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair enough. Uh, what are your thoughts on them running WrestleMania and obviously running it over two two nights? What what are your thoughts? I at first I thought that's odd, but then I thought nah, actually that's I really like that. I really like the stance that Vince has had and thought, oh, coronavirus is stopping live events, is it? Not odd. <laughs> I, re- I really like I really like that. And he's not a stupid man, is he, Vince? He's uh, he's going to get some good publicity out of this. I don't know if you've seen the T-shirts that have, that have come out saying uh, WrestleMania 36. I wasn't there. I, I thought genius. genius. It was was well played. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to get some good press out of it, um, and people are going to talk about his WrestleMania for, for the next 
for the next 36 years they'll talk about the WrestleMania there was no fans so it's a, it's a great talking point and I think yeah all power to them and you know it makes sense because I don't think they're doing the Hall of Fame are they um, so it makes sense doing it over the, the two nights so yeah go for it it's it's going to be odd, but yeah, like you say, it's it's almost like giving the middle finger in it to everything else. Like yeah, we'll we'll carry on. Also with AEW, you know, still running dynamite. It's it's commendable, and uh, I, I like the way they did it uh, this week with the heels on one side of the arena and then the faces on the other for a bit of atmosphere. Right, I've not seen that, but yeah, it sounds. I'll, I'll, I'll check that out now in in the national lockdown. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. But uh, yeah, every credit to to people that are able to continue doing it. Um, putting shows on however virtually or or you know however they, they do it every credit it's, it's important right Johnny uh, if you could plug your social media please for the listeners just so they can get you know get to you they can see what you, you're doing online and stuff like that if if, if you'd like sure. to of course I'm, I'm, you know, if you're looking to uh, to to find Johnny Brannigan I'm, I'm the world's worst uh, follow because I don't ever really post anything on social media. So you're better off following anything Grand Pro. So Instagram's Grand Pro, Twitter's Grand Pro, um, and Facebook's Grand Pro Wrestling. So head over head over there. Our next show is scheduled for the May 15th in, in Wigan, Hindley. But uh, at the moment in time, we are going ahead with that show. But it may change as things change in the world. So uh, hopefully uh, you'll catch us at some point before the end of 2020. Thanks very much for coming on today, Johnny. Cheers, Stu. Absolute pleasure. It was cool to cool to hear about the early days in your career. You know, uh, I like the. I really have enjoyed the depth that you went into. You know, it's just uh, your memory and remembering everything that was going on. It's uh, it's it's really really cool that you can recount everything that happened. Yeah. Cheers, mate. No, I enjoyed it. Right, Johnny Brannigan of Grand Pro Wrestling GPW. Thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome. Take care, Paul. Big thank you to 3210 for their track Sonar in the intro and the outro for today's show. Cheers, boys, for letting me use it. Many thanks to Mike Angus for the show intro, as usual. An absolute stellar job. And to my editor, without Chris and Mike doing what they do, this show would not be happening. So, yeah, thanks for your support as well, lads. It's, uh, it's, it's top. It's brilliant. Love it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.